Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to Farzad Rashidi, the co-founder of Respona, all-in-one link building software that helps businesses increase their organic traffic from Google. In 2018, Farzad was leading the marketing team at Vizme and trying to figure out how to grow their organic search traffic. The team spent a ton of time and effort creating content, but after many months, they'd hardly moved the needle on their SEO. Eventually, they realized they were spending nearly all their time creating content and almost zero time promoting it. So that's when they made a major shift. They allocated just 20% of their marketing resources to content creation and put 80% of their effort into content promotion. They also knew that getting links from authoritative websites was key to building organic traffic, but doing outreach, as anybody knows, is a slow and tedious process. So they built an internal tool, which later would become Responder, to make their lives easier. That SEO and content strategy has paid off really well for Vizme, which currently gets almost 3 million monthly organic website visitors and the product has around 14 million active users. But despite the success they had with the internal tool in helping them with their link building outreach, they really struggled to get traction when they try to sell it as a standalone product. Well, it turns out a big part of the struggle was down to how they'd positioned the SaaS product. And when they finally figured that out and simplified their positioning, things started to click. So this is a great interview with tons of actionable insights. I hope you enjoy it. Are you looking to sell your online business or buy one to start your entrepreneurial journey? Discover exciting opportunities with Bupos.com. Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses and the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers. At Bupos.com, you can explore their exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. Bupos can offer pre-approved financing for recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding with no personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash Bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Is your team struggling with spreadsheets that can't keep up with your workflows? It's time to switch to Jotform Tables. Jotform Tables is an all-in-one workspace that lets you collect, organize, and manage data seamlessly. Not only can you create online forms to gather data directly in Jotform Tables, but it also serves as a powerful tool to manage and analyze the data collected from your existing Jotform forms. You can also import spreadsheets or enter information manually, and all your data is stored securely in one place. Jotform Tables makes collaboration a breeze. You can share your tables with a single click and work with your team in real time. Say goodbye to version control issues and hello to efficient teamwork. Get started with Jotform tables for free today at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Hey there, SaaS founders. Are you looking to grow your B2B SaaS business to the first million in annual recurring revenue? I've got something that can help you. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly source of proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with successful B2B SaaS founders who have been in your shoes and are ready to share what they've learned. Each week, you'll get a quick five-minute read delivered straight to your inbox full of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you tackle those early stage challenges and grow your business to seven figures and beyond. So what are you waiting for? Head over over to sasclub.io slash newsletter and join over 4,000 other SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already using these insights to grow their businesses. Subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today and get the support you need to keep moving forward on your SaaS journey. Prasad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Omer. I'm beyond excited. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you can share with us? Now, Omar, I was actually thinking about this uh, before our interview. And I think one quote that I use personally, um, I would say at least once a week is, good things take time. That's by my own co-founder, Paymon, uh, who says it a lot. And it's, it's definitely something that's quite inspiring not to get discouraged on the down days. Great. So tell us about Respona. What does the product do? Who's it for? And what's the main problem you're helping to solve? 
So Responder is an all-in-one link building outreach software that helps businesses increase their organic traffic from Google. Uh, we predominantly cater to SaaS companies and also marketing agencies that do marketing for predominantly SaaS companies. Um, and uh, the, the problem that we are resolving is basically helping folks get connected with relevant authoritative resources and publications in their space in order to get the word out about their brand and also uh, improving the backlink profile of their website so that increases their likelihood of being able to get better rankings in Google. Can you give us a sense of the size of the business? Where are you guys in terms of revenue, customer, size of team? So uh, team size, we're about a team of nine. I would say six full-time, including myself, and we have three part-time contractors. Uh, as far as the revenue numbers, my co-founder is a little more private than I am. So just hand respect for him. I, I promise not to share any numbers yet, but it's it's getting very close to seven figures. I'd say multiple six figures. And we're completely bootstrapped, never raised any outside funding. And we've launched the 1.0 version of our platform in November of 21. So it's been a little over eight, eight months, I would say. Great. So let's talk about where the idea for this product came from. What were you doing at the time? And how did you come up with the idea? So I started my career in marketing, Omar, when I was, um, gosh, how many, however many years ago that was, at, at a company called Visme. I know we chatted about this in a pre-show um, uh, interview, but as far as for folks who don't know what Visme is, it's an all-in-one brand content creation platform uh, that helps businesses sort of create presentations, infographics and whatnot. And I joined as a first marketing hire. It was, a, it was another bootstrap company, seven or eight people founded by Paymon, who's my current co-founder here at Respana. And there were basically a team of engineers and designers who had built this really cool product. And at the time where Canva hadn't taken off yet, and they were like, okay, Firezod, you go sell this thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sounds like a good plan. So my goal was not necessarily just to get and to make a quick buck for the company. Uh, my goal was to build a customer acquisition strategy, uh, meaning, okay, how we're going to acquire customers today, but also what we're going to do five years from now. So we quickly had to evaluate some, um, I would say, acquisition strategies. First few ones that came to our mind was cold outreach for sales, obviously. But the problem with that was that our price point for the product, and we also have freemium products, so price point was very affordable. I think it was like $14, $15 a month. So it's not something that would make economic sense for you to go hire salespeople and go sell it door-to-door. And paid advertising also was, was in the uh, cards. But as a bootstrap company, obviously, we're always cash strained. So we didn't have the hundreds of millions of dollars to pour into paid advertising. But another problem with that is not very scalable. So um, it, it's something that is a diminishing ROI. So meaning if you double your ad budget, doesn't mean you double the conversion. So it becomes at a certain point plateaued because your, your CAC sort of CAC or your customer acquisition cost sort of catches up with your LTV. So we were like, okay, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a customer and understand how they would go and find a product like ours. All right. So Omer, let, let's say you want to create an infographic for this, for this episode as soon as it comes out and you don't already have a product. What's the first step you do when you want to look for a product like ours? What would you do? I, I guess I'd look for infographic software on Google. There you go. So we knew from day one, okay, people are Googling to find a product like ours because first of all, you are aware of the problem you're trying to solve. And two, you're Googling about it. So those two check marks, this is something I always recommend to any SaaS company, to any business really, who wants to focus on SEO. It's like, are your customers aware of the problem? And are they Googling about it? If the answer to either of them is no, SEO is a waste of time. We knew from day one, SEO was definitely in the cards for us because we wanted to make sure that we show up in places where people who are looking for a product like ours would come and organically find us instead of us having to either become a household name that is super expensive or go door to door start selling, which is not very scalable. So long story short, what we did was to start putting together a lot of content pieces and, um, you know, as one would <laughs> when it comes to content marketing, we just we started the blog and built a bunch of landing pages. And it, we basically released, the, I would say, the, the new version of the website within about two months after I joined. And guess what happened? It was an amazing success. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was hoping. Unfortunately, it was not like that. So that, that <laughs> sort of started the rest of the journey. Great. Okay. So you decided that you're going to invest in content. You know what your target customers are searching for. You're creating a whole bunch of this content. Why do you think it didn't work 
the way you expected? And what were some of the lessons you learned from that that helped you to figure out a better content marketing strategy? Absolutely. So Omer, one day I basically pulled up our Google Analytics and there were literally two visitors to our website. And I'm pretty confident one of them was my mom. <laughs> so <laughs> one, really. So I was like, okay, well, we're definitely doing something wrong here. So I pulled up Google in a new incognito tab and I just looked up one of our keywords, which is presentation software. And guess how many searches all popped up? Like as far as you see how Google tells you, here's how many web pages contain this keyword. So how many, how, just throw a number out there. How many search results do you think come up for that keyword? I don't know, 2 million. 2 million with an M? Close. It was 3.5 billion with a B. So <laughs> a little off. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> yeah. But so we were like, okay, well, we have spent all this, we, we've spent all this time creating these pieces of content. And now, by the way, we're ranked number one for that keyword. So if you actually go Google this now, hopefully we're still up there. Um, but just to give you the sense of scale, right now, Vizme is getting close to about 3 million in monthly organic traffic. And we're about 14 million, 14 and a half million active users and close to a, a team of 100, fully profitable, still bootstrap. So keep listening. Nice. <laughs> it gets interesting. How long ago was it when you checked and it was your mom and one other person on the website? <laughs> it's been quite a few years. How long has it taken you to get to you know the volume of, of traffic you're getting today on Vizme? Right. I would say about five to six years at least to, to, to get to this point. So it was an overnight success for sure. But what was really interesting for us was to try to figure out how these Google algorithms work. As a marketer, you can't just go stuff keywords on a page just to imply to the search engines that, hey, our content is of high quality, right? Because even if you're in the top 1% in terms of quality of content, when there's three and a half billion search results, you're in the tens of millions still. So how do you go from tens of millions to top 10, if not top three, they get over 99% of the clicks. So we knew that it wasn't just enough to slap a bunch of content on our website. So what, what, So obviously, we come a long way in terms of figuring out what are some of the keywords that we need to target, what are, um, because there's a lot of big guys in the industry that are dominating some of the search uh, uh, key terms. Uh, but as far as the real key that helped us sort of skyrocket the traffic was an in-proportionate focus on our promotion tactics. So up to this day still, we spend 20% of our marketing resources on content creation and the other 80% goes into promotion and link building. Let me repeat that wow. again. We spend four times the amount of time we spend on content creation, on promotion. And that's what really put us over the top and is still propelling us forward uh, because that's not how 99% of companies do content marketing. And that's, that journey sort of led to the creation of Respano because obviously when you put 80% of your resources in one thing, you want to optimize and, and kind of save time because it's an excruciatingly difficult process because it's a lot easier said than done, it turns out. So that, that's sort of the backstory there. So when you say content promotion, was this mainly emailing outreach to other website owners trying to get a backlink? Yeah, absolutely. So through a variety of different strategies. So unfortunately, link building has gotten a bad rep because since it's a somewhat of a new thing, a lot of marketers are still trying to figure it out. So they resort to spamming and sort of Blasting emails to everyone. I'm sure you get these every day. Uh, Omer, hey, I would like to publish a guest post on your website. So those things simply don't work. And, and it, the ones that do respond to those pitches are from websites that you don't want to link from. So building relationships with relevant authoritative publications. It, there's a variety of different strategies that you can utilize in order to get there. And normally those type of strategies require you to have something of substance to pitch. And that requires you to have certain types of content that are built for sort of these link building outreach campaigns. You can't just go out and pitch everything. So say you build a product page, shouldn't go out there and try to build backlinks to that because it, you, you can provide little value. But original research articles, uh, stuff that is, uh, you've done a survey or you have proprietary information that you can share. And these are normally the type of things that you want to do outreach for. And then what we use is, is a process called um, uh, the middleman approach as Ahrefs guys call it, where you sort of have a beacon uh, when it comes to links, um, when, when it comes to attracting external links to a website, and then normally have internal links within those pages that kind of pass on that link code to other pages. So that's just a fancy way of saying that it's not just simply spamming. It does require a good amount of strategy and preparation before you start pulling your 
laptop app to start emailing people. Yeah, I think that you're right. Link building has got such a bad rep because there are so many people doing it and doing it badly. I think people are just tuning out. It's harder to get people's attention because there's so much noise out there. So I'm curious when you say building relationships, sounds great, sounds like the right way to do it, but it also sounds like a painfully slow process. It was. And you're 100% correct. So how do you do that? How do you do that in a way that helps you move the needle while not being like all the other examples of bad outreach? Exactly. So you're 100% correct, Omer. It is a very painfully slow and unscalable process. So what we were doing at the time was practically throwing spaghetti on the wall initially to trying to figure out what works. And it turns out the stuff that works takes normally the most amount of time. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. What are some of the things that, I, that we do uh, that, that work still not to this day? Um, but as far as the, the time part, since there is quite a lot of preparation needed and also in terms of building relationships and kind of opening up these conversations, that was sort of the reason why we started building Respond in the first place. Because a lot of the tools that were already in the market were either mass average tools that I'm sure a lot of spammers use nowadays to send these emails, or there were CRM tools that are helping you keeping track of your opportunities, but it doesn't really so much help with the average part itself. So what Respond really was built uh, to do was to automate a lot of the dirty work and mundane tasks. Like, okay, you have this article, want to promote it. Here's a list of these particular web pages that we think that you need to build links from. And here are the right people at each one of these websites to actually manage the content. Here's a direct verified email address and social profiles. And here's a template. Now spend time on personalization average. So all of that stuff is sort of taken care of um, in terms of automations that are built in. So that now as a human, you can get yourself involved at the last step to actually start engaging in the conversations and, and personalizing these pitches and actually interacting with them through a variety of different channels. So, for example, I can, I'm happy to outline a few strategies. Um, one of them is, again, I don't mean this to come across as a link building strategy. So we, we chatted about this Omer and I said, I'm going to talk about it. Um, I've been a big fan of the show for years. <laughs> I was telling Omer and I've listened to pretty much every single episode within the past, I would say at least two to three years. I challenged Omer to quiz me on it. <laughs> and so the, the, the matter of fact is it's, it's a true honor and a pleasure to be um, a guest on this show. And it's something that I've been wanting to do and took a quite a, a, quite a amount of convincing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th thank you for that. And I appreciate that. And, and talking about long-term relationships, you and I, have been talking on and off for several years before right. we got to this point. So you, you, know, you walk the talk when it comes to building relationships. I appreciate that. Thank you, Omar. But so what, what are the strategies? So for example, we are getting a backlink from your website, SaaS Club, to Respana. Did we ever spam you? No. Are we getting a backlink? Yeah. So one of the strategies is actually going on other people's podcasts as a guest. So... Responder helps you find some podcasts in your space that are relevant. So you can find, for example, hey, here's a competing company or someone in our space. Where are they getting their interviews? Are they getting going on podcasts? Okay, what are these podcasts? So that automatically tells you three things. One, they accept guests. Two, they're relevant to your space. And three, makes your life easier when it comes to pitching. Because you can just say that, hey, Omar, you know, came across your interview with this and person and that. And, and I love the fact you guys talked about it crazy. So we can actually listen to that episode, see if, they're, if you're actually going to be a good guest. Give you some metrics about the podcast to see uh, if, if the audience sort of matches your target market. And if there is a match where you as a guest can provide value to the audience. And also the audience is the type of customer, potential customers for your business. Now that's a match made in heaven. So let's go ahead and find, uh, let Respondent find a host, get the email, and then help you reach out to them with a personalized pitch referencing that um, episode they found them through. Now, that has a lot of benefits. One, you're getting free advertising to a niche audience. Two, you're building relationships with smart people and publications in your space like yourself. And also, you're getting these backlinks and mentions to your website from websites that don't normally work with these email spammers. So these are gold. And when it comes, so when it comes, so that's, that's one out of a gazillion different ways on how you'd be able to provide value to publications 
and in return, obviously it's not a quid pro quo. It's normally a, a collaboration, a partnership that normally starts that conversation. So let's recap on what we've talked about so far. You you joined Visme. You want to try and sell that product. You invest a lot of time in content marketing. Nothing seems to work. Then through trial and error, you start to realize we're spending way too much time on content production and not enough time on content promotion distribution. That's right. And so it was a bunch of trial and error. You basically have an internal tool, which is helping you do this outreach and content promotion better. And then you start to see results from that. And eventually that led you to the aha moment, which is, hey, maybe this tool is a product itself. So why don't we kind of move to that part of the story where you decide to build Responder as a standalone product. How did you go about getting your first 10 customers? So Omar, um, I remember this. I put together a... So we were pretty much at the time doing everything manually. We came to research, finding opportunities, find, reaching out to folks. And um, as I said, didn't, we did some investigations. Some of them didn't really like the software that was already out there. So I literally put together like this little, uh, uh, I would say, sketch here and, and, and vision at the time. And, and uh, went and pitched it to Paymont, who is the CEO of, who is the CEO of, CEO of Visme. And I was like, hey, I have an idea for this tool that's going to save us a lot of time, at least internally. And, you know, who knows? Maybe if you actually end up working out, we can probably sell this as another tool. And what happened was that we actually got one of the developers because we were already a SaaS company. So we had some access to designers and, and you know, developers there. So one, we got one of the developers to spend like 30% of his time on the site, sort of building and duct taping together this little MVP. At the time, it wasn't even called responding. It wasn't called anything really. And we, we built it and then I put it in front of our team members, marketing team, which I was leading at the time. I was like, hey guys, I built this thing for you. You're welcome. And they just loved it. They're like, hey, man, this is awesome. It's, it's saving us a lot of time. It was sort of, I would say, Zapier on steroids. So it was sort of was automating a lot of this work that they had to do by kind of, you know, uh, building some scripts that was sort of connected to different APIs and kind of automating a lot of things. And we were like, okay, that sounds great. Let's, uh, let's see if we can actually sell this thing. Because if it can help us, I'm sure it can help a lot of other SaaS companies. So... Uh, we, we reached out to a few. Uh, I know folks that were in the startup world, like on beta list, we scraped that list and, and I went and reached out to every single founder. And I was like, hey, man <laughs> or, or lady, uh, you want to come try this thing that we just built? And some of them would say, yeah, because they're, you know, people that are in that tech space and they're always open-minded normally. And out of the blue, one or two of them actually started paying for it. I was like, okay, well, there's some sign of life, you know, that's not quite a product market fit, but it's still something that other people are willing to pay their credit card, or put down their credit card and pay for. So what I did was uh, for a number of weeks, I actually started building this little ebook that's still live, still getting downloads. It's called uh, Visme Marketing Playbook. And it was sort of a step-by-step instructions to all the stuff that we had learned over the course of years, trial and errors. Um, that we did over on the Visme site to make our content marketing function. And I'm happy to give you some snippets from that because I think there's a couple of good nuggets there I could share uh, sure. that is not just related to content promotion. But that ebook, we're like, okay, well, that sounds great. We can, we can promote it to our audience on the Visme site, but a lot of them aren't really target market for Responda. Uh, we have kind of users from all across the board on the Visme site. So... That is also something that was kind of discouraging. We're like, okay, we got all these millions of users. <laughs> They're not really someone we can cross-sell to. So we want to reach out to AppSumo. And we're like, hey guys, I, I wrote this ebook, about 160 pages. And I literally outlined step-by-step everything we've learned in the past like five years. Building our, I, I think our traffic at the time was like a million or two. Still wasn't three million. And they were like, sure, we can launch this maybe as a freebie. So I was like, great. So, <laughs> so we, ran, we went to AppSumo and um, we already had a relationship with them because we had run a LTD with them on the business side back in the day when it was very early beta. And, uh, but Respond is a type of product that doesn't make sense to LTDs for just because of recurring data costs. It's not something that you can just give out for free for life. So we basically launched an ebook and it immediately got like, 
almost 10,000 downloads the first two weeks. And uh, it was quite a sizable list. So then we reached out to them at like a week or so after. We're like, hey, by the way, we just built this product. So we had the time, I think it was called AIPR or whatever. We call it Respond eventually. And, um, and then got a, got a few people in and, and they were interested. So, you know, I think 20 or so, 10, 20 customers signed up for it. So that's sort of the backstory there. They paid for the product. They actually started paying for the okay. product. Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupas is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupos has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with bupos.com. So w- when you wrote this ebook, did you do that intentionally for AppSumo or was it supposed to be just no. a lead magnet? It was just going to be a lead magnet, right? So initially we were like, we're going to promote it to our community. We may some put some ad money behind it. We did. But it was obviously very expensive. Um, and uh, we also tried to partner with HubSpot that fell through. But AppSumo is the one that we actually um, um, collaborated with in the past so that we had a better chance of working with them. So why create a 160-page ebook? <laughs> I mean, who in their right mind does that? I mean, right. people give away lead magnets, which are like one-page PDFs or right. a 10-page ebook. But hundred <laughs> that's why did you do that? So, in a retrospect, it probably would have been shorter. It wasn't supposed to be that long. So what happened was that I was like, okay, I want to share stuff I learned and then create a step-by-step guide with screenshots and stuff in there. So it's not just pure text. It's actually like, okay, go open this, do this, that. It's very practical. And it was sort of serving as an SOP also for our team. We still use it up to this day for new hires. We just send them this book. They're like, okay, read the first two chapters. Maybe not the entire 160 pages, but... Um, so at the time it was sort of, it happened sort of by accident because we weren't planning on it, but then I just got into it and overnight and on the weekends, I was like, okay, it's actually kind of fun to kind of document the stuff that we experimented with. And I'm happy to share a couple of things with you again from that ebook. Uh, for example, uh, the process that we use for keyword research is still up to this day, still what we use now. And, um, it, it's, it's a formula I developed. We used to call it well, I call it Farzad score. And then people were like, no, <laughs> not calling this Farzad score. So they call it the opportunity score. Where, you know, when you, for example, let's say you're a SaaS company, you want to start writing content. Where would you start? Right. So using it, uh, some of these SEO tools like Ahrefs or SEMrush, or if you're just starting out, maybe Uber suggests, you can run a parent keyword, like for example, for Respond our parent keyword is link building. So you can run that parent keyword and they give you like a gazillion search suggestions that you can pick from because there's so many keywords, so many variations of how you can ask a question related to link building. So the way we prioritize it is by a little formula we developed that basically prioritizes keywords based on three factors. Uh, we call it the three pillars. One is a volume. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that. How many people are actually searching for that keyword every month? Two is keyword difficulty. How difficult it is to actually get up in the search results for this. And the last is commercial intent. So is that keyword actually related to our business? How much business value it has? So we want to prioritize keywords that contain that are in that middle overlapping part. So we have a formula that basically is... So we use three metrics from these SEO tools. One, for volume, we use the traffic potential metric, which is the amount of organic traffic that the first search results gets. So that multiplied by one over keyword difficulty, which is a metric that these SEO tools give you that explains how difficult it is to get up in the search results. So if it's dominated by some of the big guys, maybe skip that. And last but not least is the commercial intent. So the way we've um, basically objectified is by CPC for that keyword. So if other, and the reason why we do it, even though it's not related to SEO is because advertisers like to make money. So if there's a keyword that advertising is actively paying for, that means that they're making money out of it. So that means it's a higher commercially valuable keyword. 
So we prioritize right. some keywords organically uh, based on that. And then one last thing that I would also mesh, me, missed out is that we have a rule of thumb that we don't go after keywords that have a higher keyword difficulty, which is a metric from zero to 100, than our domain rating, which is another metric from 100, uh, zero to 100. Which is, again, fancy way of saying we stay within our league when it comes to the keywords we pick. So that's one of the strategies, for example, that I talk about step by step in the ebook. Great. Where can people get hold of this ebook? Just Google Visme marketing strategies somewhere on there. So probably okay. in the All top right. three. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find a link. <laughs> so did you, uh, beyond the AppSumo launch, did you use content marketing, SEO, and content promotion as the main way that you found customers? Yes. So respond. we actually, that's one of the first things we did. And be, before even we had a product, we built a website and it started writing content. Now using the same strategy, picking out small keywords, building blog posts. And so that's something we started actually two and a half years ago. Uh, so now Respond gets, I think we're experiencing a little bit of a summer uh, uh, dip now since it's June. But I think end of May, I think we've hit around 100K in monthly organic traffic. So within about two years, which is still pretty impressive. Uh, but again, it took us two years to get here. So it's not a, it's not a validation sort of strategy. We didn't know, as I know, first 10 customers don't, normally don't come through SEO. That's normally your hundredths or more customer that comes through. So I also want to understand how much effort were you putting into the content that you were creating for Responder? I see a lot of companies do the research, uh-huh. figure out what keywords to target. and a lot of the times they end up creating content, which is almost the same as everything else that you'd see in the search results right. for that keyword. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, which we just sort of glossed over, but I think is super, super important, is the uniqueness of content. You talked about original content. You talked about doing surveys, which create some kind of data, mm-hmm. which people might want to link to or cite or reference or so on. So how much effort do you typically put into a piece of content and how important is uniqueness to helping you rank for, for that keyword? Absolutely. So Omar, um, one thing that a lot of people don't talk about enough is that we create different types of content, each with different objectives. So we create SEO content that's built for volume and bringing customers to our website or bringing relevant people to our website. Two is link magnet content, which sounds bad. We have to pick another word for it, which these are our original research stuff that is super high quality that people want to link. And the third piece is uh, conversion content, which is uh, ranging anywhere from product pages uh, to uh, best XYZ tools to uh, stuff that template pages, stuff that we actually you know sell our product through. So each one has a different objective and different um, strategy behind it. Any starting from production all the way to promotion. So for our bottom on a funnel content or money pages that we create, like for example, if you go Google link building software, like response should be presentation software, infographic tools, a maker, whatever, uh, any of these keywords that are related to our companies, we are always on the top results. But we never do any sort of outreach campaign for these pages because even though they're very extremely hard to get because they're very highly competitive keywords, uh, this is not a t- uh, that right strategy going to build backlinks to these particular pages. What we do is that for each silo of content, so for example, for Respana, or let me actually talk about Visme, I think it's easier. So for Visme, we have a few silos like infographics, presentations, reports. Each one has a money page, right? That's the core page that everything links to. And then that category also has three types of content. Content that we use, that we exclusively create for basically attracting links. Content that we create that is exclusively built for bringing SEO traffic, targeting higher traffic volume keywords. And then content we create that uh, is basically in the cons- people are in the consideration stage of the buyer journey. So let me give you an example. For example, let's take the keyword um, like infographic maker. Or yeah, that's actually a good one. So the type of content that we create for SEO is how to make an infographic, right? This educational pieces of content gets a lot of volume. And that's the type of content pieces that we create that we optimize for for search engines, but also at the same time creating content that makes sense, right? So people actually can walk through, et cetera. So we don't actually, we we stop our nerdiness when it comes to uh, writing. So we all, the nerdiness happens before we actually 
start typing in that Google Doc, right? So all the research process happens before and we pick a topic, we get the writer to write about it right from the heart. Like don't just over-optimize things. Now, the type of content we create for consideration stage is, for example, uh, the infographic maker landing page. If you go Google it, it pops up. Or if you look up infographic templates, right, we pop up. So those are pages normally that we don't do any sort of link building average for. But here's the type of content that we do link building average for. Omar, have you watched Game of Thrones before? Oh, uh, yes. Okay, perfect. I was, I was like, okay, friendship over if you haven't watched it. <laughs> so Bizme is inherently a database tool. So right before the last season came out, by the way, I haven't watched the last season yet just because people keep spoiling it for me. So I'm waiting till I forget what happens. And it, it doesn't help that I talk about it on a podcast. But anyway, so right before the last season of Game of Thrones came out, one of our team members on our Bizme content team went and visualized based on a betting website, just put together infographic on who's going to win the Game of Thrones. What are people actually betting on? We ended up actually betting the wrong person, but it, that campaign was still a success because people were betting on the wrong guy. <laughs> but then what we did was that, that, so we created a bunch of really good looking visuals there. And if you look up like Visme Game of Thrones, it should pop up. And what we did then was to go and uh, reach out to any journalist that covered Game of Thrones within the past seven days. So there's a bunch of people like on, for example, Psychology Today, that's written an article on, hey, uh, Game of Thrones, last season's coming out, yada, yada, yada. Reached out to the journalist. We're like, yo, John, you know, just came across your article about last season on Game of Thrones. I researched him, actually just put together this uh, guide on, or this graphic sets on who's going to win the Game of Thrones based on how much people are betting on it. Just sending it over to you. Let me know what you think. Guess how many backlinks and mentions that particular piece brought on its own? Just throw a number. Thousands? <laughs> Maybe not thousands, but hundreds. <laughs> uh, 60 of them were from top tier publications. Um, and like Psychology Today, Men's Health, I think Forbes, a bunch of big guys. Now that trickles in to all the other web pages that we have. And that tells Google that, hey, these guys are an authoritative figure. And because that, that was an infographic page that we had created or people were linking to. And so it creates what we call topical authority for that infographic related keywords. Now it also helps with, I mean, through these internal links we pass on the link equity, it also helps with our content pages to get up there. Right. But the question about that one. So I think that's really cool. I just Googled it. I like that you even put all the Game of Thrones characters into like a Myers-Briggs infographic, <laughs> which is pretty unique. But this is going to attract Game of Thrones fans, isn't it? They're yes. not going to necessarily buy your software. Exactly. So... I'm with you. So the link magnet content is not conversion content. So this is the type of content that's going to bring in relevant publications. So it's a, since we're a database tool, that's something that made sense for us to do. Not something I recommend for every type of company to do because Visme caters to a long, to a wide range of, a variety of users. For example, for Respana, uh, what we were doing is, and it's like we we're releasing this guide on uh, basically a survey that we ran with link building experts on how much link building costs in 2022, like each link that you are. It's proprietary data. So then we're going to go and reach out to Search Engine Journal and a bunch of relevant publications in our space and pitch that content to be featured. You know, you see what I'm saying? So I want you to apply that yep. to your industry for your niche, not saying that that Game of Thrones is particularly the type of campaign that you want to run. You're taking data that's publicly available, but you're putting a unique spin on it. And, and I think that's what creates you know, the interest that people want to link to. Mm -hmm. So I think we've talked a lot about the experiences of, of content marketing, SEO with Visme and, and how you've applied that to Responder in, in terms of growing that. We talked about the AppSumo launch as a way to get some early traction and, and the first 10, 20 customers. And so you're basically building that growth engine around content as you did with Visme. Let's talk about the product a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because for quite some time, Responder wasn't link building software, right? It was doing a bunch of things or you were telling right. people it was doing a bunch of things. So what yes. was going on there? And now that you look back, why was that not a good idea? Absolutely. So the website that we put out, I remember this, the messaging was, the, it was our motto, which was don't spam, build relationships. So that was, a that was the title of the web page, which to anybody doesn't make any sense <laughs> until you know exactly what, what, we're, what we were selling here. So our, our idea in our head at the time was that, okay, we're going to start from a wide market. So we're going to target people who are looking to do influencer marketing. We're targeting PR people that are looking to contact journalists, to 
release a press release. We're going to target some SEOs. We're going to target some people who are doing podcast outreach. So all of the functionalities that our app does, by the way, today, what happened was that we were selling to everyone and no one in a way that, you know, our, our process was, okay, we're going to try to sell it to everyone, see who pays for it, and then we niche down. And that was a bad idea in retrospect because it just sort of diluted a lot of our efforts uh, in a way that we weren't really catering to anyone. Like we didn't create word of mouth in any certain community. It was sort of, uh, yeah, I mean, if you come across it, some people were like, oh, this is cool. But then everybody was sort of using it in a different way. So our messaging was not very clear cut enough. Our pricing was sort of, you know, we were overvaluing some markets and we were undervaluing some certain ones. Um, it, it's just sort of a, um, I would say you, we're stuck between a hard kind of uh, a rock, between a rock and a hard place where uh, didn't really know who, who, our, who our target market was. And then we really eventually settled. It was like, okay, what target market do we actually provide the most value to? And those turn out to be content marketers. People who are in SaaS companies or marketing agencies, maybe even some affiliate marketers that are actually looking to gain more organic traffic from Google. They have to do some outreach in order to get some backlinks. Now let's go make their lives easier and build this product cater to, directly towards them. So that also reflected in our pricing changes, in our features, in our onboarding flow, all that stuff that in retrospect, I would have done differently. But when you think about product market fit, the approach you described didn't sound that unreasonable. We're not sure what the target market is. And so we're going to target a few different markets. We're going to figure out where the product resonates the most. And then that's where we're going to focus. Right. If you look back now, how do you think you could have got there faster? Because there are a lot of people who struggle with the same, same issue. So mm -hmm. what did you learn from that experience? So it was an initial problem we were solving. So remember, we were a SaaS company building this in order to build backlinks. We knew that already from day one. There was no reason for us to dip into other industries that are dominated with some of the big guys like PR, their decision in Meltwater or influencer marketing. There's Upbound, Umfluence, and there's a bunch of other companies that do this. Uh, there's sales outreach, which there's like sales loft and outreach, et cetera. So there's so many, so many tools in, in, the, in these saturated markets that a bootstrap tiny little startup with an MVP product wasn't really going to make it. So it was a lot of wasted time and effort to understand it in, the, uh, in a way that, because we already knew from day one that, hey, we are a link building software for SEO purposes. And that's something that we should have stuck with and, and not sort of dip into other industries from the get-go. So internally, this is, this is interesting. Internally, you knew you had super clarity mm -hmm. on what the product was, what problem it solved, and you could articulate that in one sentence. Yes. But when you went out to the market, you kind of watered down that message yes. and try to appeal to everybody. We were like, we we're for everybody. And then we're trying to sell it to everyone. And it just wasn't really the right approach. So how long did that go on for? And then what happened when you went all in and focused on link building software? Well, when we started, so it was a quite a gradual process. It wasn't a clean break. And what we really did that sort of focused us a lot was... Um, back in, I would say, late 2020. So it was like sort of a year of playing around uh, with MVP. And we had some customers getting some feedback on. And we were like, okay, now we got a, we got a decision to make. Because building software, Omar, as you know, is kind of like building Legos. You're starting with a base and you're building on top of it. So we were like, okay, we can keep building features and capabilities on this base of an MVP product. We have to remember, we didn't have the right infrastructure set up. There was no marketer services. Like one thing that could go wrong that we took, take the whole app down. And uh, there was like no clear cut like database structure, no Kubernetes, no, like I would say it was just very bare bone because it was built for ourselves internally. So we made the decision. And I think we made a good decision uh, to take the entire year of 2021 to actually build the right foundation in terms of infrastructure, back and front end, everything from scratch with a professional designer that we're going to simplify the product that becomes self-serve, intuitive to use, super high performance, everything loads super quickly and, and with very minimal bugs. And we underestimated the amount of time it would take because <laughs> as one would <laughs> in the software space, and we have kept having to push the launch back and back and back. And we were initially shooting for six months and then it became seven months and eight months. And then 
it's all November of 2021 rolled around and everybody was kind of getting impatient, including our investor, Bizme guys that, that Paymon. And we we're like, hey, man, what are you guys doing here? Why aren't you releasing this 1.0? So right before our CTO <laughs> had a planned sailing trip to in the middle of the ocean, like with no internet access. For 10 days, we were like, okay, we're either going to have to push the launch back two weeks or we're going to do it now. <laughs> so we made the horrible decision to release a brand new version that was going to get migrated into. Like other people were, were day data would actually get migrated into in the middle of the week. So in retrospect, it was a very dumb decision on my end to do because obviously it was... It took some time and because we had to take the system down and migrate everyone over and, and bring up the uh, whole new system. And obviously, so right before our, our main engineer is in the middle of the seas, in the middle of a sailing trip on the ocean. So not the smartest decision. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Uh, we should have probably taken those two weeks for more testing and, and wait until everybody is ready, brace ourselves for impact before we launch. But we ended up going through it and, and our Customers, thankfully, were so empathetic and, and understanding because we had very close relationships with each one. All of them I talked to at least twice on a Zoom call. Like um, we, we knew each other very well. And uh, finally, we the Band-Aid and, and released the 1.0. And, and, um, and then the, the rest is history. Awesome. So we should wrap up, move on to the lightning rounds. You know the drill? Yes, sir. You've probably heard, of, heard these questions more than I have. <laughs> Ready? Yes, sir. Let's, let's do it. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Niche down from early on. Don't do it later. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? It's a book that I'm actually just about to finish. And it's called How to Not Be Wrong. Uh, it's called The Power of Mathematical Thinking by Jordan Ellenberg. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Being comfortable with uncertainty. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Something I've actually a few months ago started doing is leaving my cell phone outside the bedroom and instead reading for 15 minutes before falling asleep and going to bed. Improve my life, quality of sleep, happiness as a person. I need to do that. I used to keep my phone downstairs and then I got a cool new charger and <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to put it next to my bed. Worst decision I ever made. No screens in the bedroom, just, just an Alexa for alarms. That's right. What's a new cr or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Building smart clothing with IoT, which is completely mm. random and irrelevant to software founder. But that, that's one thing I'd like to work on at some point in the future. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? This is somewhat embarrassing, but um, I used to be a professional rollerblade racer uh, back in high school. And uh, I thought I was being very cool, but uh, in retrospect, it was not. <laughs> and finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? Um, I would say fitness. It's a boring answer, but uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, physical exercise, hiking, working out and staying healthy physically. Uh, and that, that's one thing I tend to prioritize um, right after work. Awesome. All right, Fazad. Well, thank you so much. I think the last time you and I talked... Responder wasn't link building software, right? It was kind of a bunch of bunch different of different things, things. And, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so great to see the the niching down, the focus, and uh, you know, congratulations on the traction you've had so far. And um, if people want to find out more about Responder, they can go to responder.com. That's R-E-S-P-O-N-A. And uh, if folks want to find out about Vizme, they go to Viz is it Vizme.com? We own both. Yes, visme.com. Okay. And main domain is visme.co. That's where we started and still hosted. Great. And uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I know, Omar. My name is just like yours. My name is Farzad Rashidi. And there's not a whole lot of them out there. So I stick out like a sore <laughs> thumb on LinkedIn. So in case you want to drop by and say hi. Yeah, not the most competitive of keywords. Keywords, right. That's, that's a little cheating yeah. right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate you sharing a, a bunch of insights that I think can help SaaS startups and founders to, to do a better job with content marketing and to do, if you're going to do link building, doing it the right way, which I think, you know, the bar has got so low in some areas that if you take the time and you have the long-term approach and you think about relationships, you stand out, you get more attention. 
So I appreciate that. I wish you and the team the, the best of success. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me, Elmer. This, this, one, this one was a good one. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. All the best. Cheers. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? JotForm Tables is a solution you've been looking for. JotForm Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms and JotForm Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your JotForm forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But JotForm Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative with conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 250 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Do you dream of owning a profitable online business or are you looking to sell yours? Bupos.com is the number one platform for entrepreneurs and founders alike. With Bupos, you can discover exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. As the first platform to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers, Bupos makes it easier than ever to acquire a recurring revenue business without personal guarantees. Their experienced M&A advisory team is dedicated to supporting you throughout the process, ensuring a smooth transaction. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? Well, you're not alone. But the good news is you don't have to settle for slow growth. The right tools can be a growth game changer. And that's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This free guide cuts through the noise and shows you the 12 essential types of tools successful SaaS startups have used to get to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you find the perfect growth tools for your needs. So stop feeling stuck. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock the growth potential you've been missing. That's the sastoolkit.com.